Hey everybody, it's Chris. If you're a sports fan like me, or you're just a fan of a great story, you gotta check out Press Box Access, a sports history podcast hosted by Todd Jones. Todd sits down with fellow sports writers who experienced firsthand some of the biggest sports moments of the past 50 years, and they share some of the stories behind the stories, some of which they've only told to each other. What I personally love are the wild stories that you might not hear so much about on SportsCenter over the years. Like when Indiana-based sports journalist Bob Kravitz recounts the time Bobby Knight showed up naked to an office meeting with him and then banned him from the Hoosiers' locker room for the next three years because Bob wrote a story he didn't like. Or when Alexander Wolfe tells a story about going out on the town in Chicago with Dennis Rodman and Carmen Electra in the middle of a Bulls playoff series. Or when Dan Wetzel talks about what it was like to be in the media room when Temple basketball coach John Chaney stormed into UMass coach John Calipari's press conference after a game and threatened to kill him. These wild and fun stories, paired with stories about real sports greatness, you know, like the 1970s Steelers being the greatest NFL dynasty ever, or the legendary rivalry between Larry Bird and Magic Johnson, and even the impact of protests for social justice issues in sports, make Pressbox Access a show you should check out. Pressbox Access is part of the Evergreen Podcast family, and it's available all the places you get your pods, and you can also find Pressbox Access on YouTube. Go check it out. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. In 1991, Extreme released More Than Words, an acoustic love ballad unlike any of the band's previous output. Although A&M Records didn't want to release the song as a single, the band's insistence paid off. The song shot to number one on the Billboard Hot 100 and presumably resulted in a lot of babies named Nuno in years to come. This week, we're joined by singer-songwriter Allie Gertz, and she'll tell us how she feels and if her love for Extreme is real. Welcome to the show. We are here today to talk about the band Extreme, which I have been getting on Matt Kelly's case about because I'm like, dude, 
I don't know why you considered this a one-hit wonder because Wholehearted, <laughs> also Wholehearted, was a song that has been stuck in my brain for decades. I saw that song when I was a kid, and for some reason, that song sticks in my head more than more than words. But <laughs> Matt came back at me by saying, hey, man, Extreme themselves say that they're a one-hit wonder, that this this was the song that went to number one, even though Wholehearted also went to number four. Matt claims that was only on the tales of More Than Words. So I guess this qualifies, right? I think it qualifies because a lot of people don't know that Extreme does music that doesn't sound like More Than Words. Yes. Right. <laughs> yeah, if, they I should, feel like, but they don't. <laughs> I feel like if most people found out that Extreme sound is closer to Faith No More or Red Hot Chili Peppers, they'd be like, no, the, the More Than Words guy? Well, I saw, I watched an interview with guitarist Nuno Betancourt, who, by the way, is one of the, I wasn't, I, I guess I kind of had heard this before, but he is one of the most like respected shredding guitarists out there. I watched an entire video of Brian May oh, talking about, <laughs> Brian May talking about how amazing Nuno's solo on, on the song, uh, What's the song that where they say funk instead of fuck? Get the funk like, out. Get the funk. Get, yeah. yeah, like that that <laughs> song. And and Brian May's like, if if this solo doesn't bring you to tears, then you're not human. I'm like, are you talking about the band Extreme and their funk and their funk rock song? <laughs> Nuno is super respected, but I watched an interview with Nuno where the guy interviewing him was like, hey, I worked at a record store at the time, and this album, this Extreme album, was the most returned album. So people would buy it <laughs> thinking it's going to sound like more than words, and then they they heard that it definitely wasn't. <laughs> yeah, it's like your dating app pictures don't look like you in real yeah. life. Like maybe if I had known <laughs> what you looked like in real life, I would have liked it. It just, it's not what I was expecting. Right, right. I, I feel like that was comparably for, for my generation of children of the 90s, uh, I think that that was the case with the Sugar Ray album that had Fly on it, where really? like you've got this, you've got this like laid back reggae sounding pop song and then the rest of the album is still when they were in their metal phase. Oh my god, I have yeah. to revisit it. I, I thought I knew my Sugar Ray but I guess I don't. Yeah, no, that's <laughs> where you get like American Pig and Mean Machine and all of those songs oh, surrounded American by Fly. <laughs> <laughs> I could say I've never heard American Pig by Sugar well, Ray. You before. don't know that Sugar Ray oh, classic? Wow. No. <laughs> no. I'm trying to think of there if there were any albums that I bought that where I was expecting one thing and then I got it and I'm like, this is not, this is not what <laughs> well, I wanted. I can't think. Speaking of Brian May, I remember watching Wayne's World, which for me was probably the first time that I 
listens to Bohemian Rhapsody, and that's an example yep. of just a song where you put it on, and you're like, this isn't what they're headbanging to. It's like this very sad, beautiful like story about a suicidal boy. Like, what is this? Yeah. <laughs> and then right. it kicks in, and you're like, oh, okay, this is Queen. But if you don't know Queen and you don't know that song, it's kind of like, are you sure this is the right thing? I'm glad that you discovered that song because of Wayne's World, too, because I definitely did. Yeah. yeah. That, was my, which, which, that was my exposure to it. Yeah, I don't know how that's even possible, though, because I grew up listening to Queen, but I think that it was more of like, I don't know, God Save the Queen era or like some are like just different albums. But I, I'm i a huge Queen fan and I love Brian May so much. So it's, it's exciting that that already came up without me having to be the person to bring it up. Um. Well, <laughs> Brian May likes extreme and yeah. he even likes he likes extreme deep deep funk cuts <laughs> Love <laughs> which, it. which is which is something really surprising about extreme that i did not know was how funky they are they're like funk rock i love yeah. it <laughs> which is why chris i was texting you because i like ali you picking this out this particular song was so serendipitous because i just finished reading the nothing but a good time like 600 page history of hair metal book oh amazing um and Extremes in there, but I'm like, I of all of the genres that you would throw on this band, like hair metal is is not it for me. <laughs> like, but if you look didn't... at the music videos that they were doing outside of the extreme video, like they have Van Halen vibes, like they have like very yeah. classic 80s, like kind of like goofy setups. I forget what the video or what the song is for, but one of the videos starts like it's a commercial where there's yep. like a man saying like kids today have been you know acting badly with our program we're going to teach kids how to be good like let's have them learn an instrument and then the set breaks and it goes into this very 80s hair metal um stage like i feel like all the concert stages back in the 80s and 90s were insane um extreme yeah. if you will um but it had like the very eddie van halen like guitar tape look um and like you have like women just dancing on stage with huge hair and like push-up dresses push-up broad dresses it's like just it's the aesthetically if nothing else they are totally hair metal the cost of these videos like reading that book and reading how many millions of dollars was thrown into like every poison video and and then the per, the money to go to MTV to get them to promote it harder and like but that's one of the things that crazy. makes the, this particular video so great of uh, more than words like to to peel back like the sound that they're doing and like just have like black and white simple just let's record these guys on set and have the drummer and the bassist just chill out I love it real quick did, did either of you in your research figure out the origins of the name extreme because it made me chuckle well, because they were the dream and then then they had new members, so then they were X Dream. Is yeah. that, what, is that <laughs> oh what it is? Oh my god. <laughs> yep. Yeah. I love it. And as far as talking about Van Halen, yes, of course, spoiler alert, uh, Gary Sharon went on to become the singer of Van Halen for one album, which apparently <laughs> I think I think Matt likes that album. Is, is I, that, am I So that's true and not. So I don't think it's the best Van Halen album by any stretch of the imagination. I just think it's an unfairly hated album for the okay. sheer fact that it's not Sammy Hagar or David Lee Roth on vocals. Mm -hmm. But I've heard from w older, I would say elder Van Halen fans have told me that the Gary Sharon era was the best time to see Van Halen live because 
David Lee Roth had a very strict, I will not sing any songs that Sammy Hagar performed rule. And Sammy Hagar had a pretty strict, I won't perform any David Lee Roth era Van Halen songs. And Gary Sharon was just there for the ride. So like if you (laughs) saw them live at that point, you would hear all the different eras of music. uh, Probably the only time that you would hear a blend of all of the different decades of music. Right. Uh, in Gary Sharon, speaking of what we were saying before, I saw I pulled this quote from him where he said, we were the bastard children of Queen, Aerosmith and Van Halen. We looked the part, but we were never a party rock band that stuck with us for a few years, which I did see people say about them is that I think <laughs> people's complaint about them at the time were a that they sang too much about morality in their songs, <laughs> which is funny. And B, now I kind of went into this a little bit, Matt, and I don't want to get too deep into this really, but also that they had some things that were possibly conservative <laughs> in their lyrics, which kind of sucked. Uh, and I kind of traced that back to Gary Sharon, who this is pretty funny. I, I got this from Rolling Stone where I guess Gary Sharon is like, or was at least in the 90s, I don't know what he is or how he feels about things now, was real pro-life. And he had like a few lyrics that were like pro-life. And uh, But then when Rolling Stone asked him about it, <laughs> it's so funny. I didn't pull the exact quote, but I basically remember he was like, yeah, I'm not really sure how I feel about things. Like I'm pro-life, but you know, if I got somebody pregnant, I don't know what I would do. Of course. So, so that's not that's not really being pro-life, Gary Sharon. No, I actually just heard the quote like 45 minutes ago because I was pulling up one or two videos just to get research done. And he said, he goes, you know, I personally say that I'm pro-life, but there's a lot of hypocrisy in me because if I had gotten someone pregnant and I didn't think I could afford the baby, I don't know what I would do. And then he was like, but I feel like that's what makes music and life interesting is that we're contradictory human beings or something like that. Oh, my but- God. That's exactly how everyone who's pro-choice feels. <laughs> like he's describing what pro-choice is. <laughs> like, I, I'm not for it, but like, I'd like to have the choice. <laughs> yes. Yes. Incredible. He <laughs> someone needs to teach Gary Sharon what, what it means. But anyway, <laughs> that was the 90s. I hope that Gary Sharon maybe got a little... I don't know, wiser over the years. But I will say that in all my watching and everything, I love Nuno. Like everything yeah, Nuno I see seems of, great. <laughs> everything I see of Nuno, he's an amazing guitarist. He's like a cool dude with like really cool long hair. I just always, every time I see him, he seems like a real delight. I don't know. Well, you sent me the video that I loved where he's just straight up calling out Guns N' Roses for yeah. their for using the N-word and the F-word in their music and being like, he's like, look, I'm all about freedom of speech. That's important. But like when you're singing a song and your audience is primarily like 16 to 20 year olds and you're just dropping the N-word and the F-word without a care in the world about like how hateful those words are, like you have a responsibility for Extreme who is never on the level of Guns N' Roses to like not be afraid to be like, yo, fuck you guys. You have some type of moral responsibility to not like push those types of hateful words into popular culture good for it like that won me over in a big way when you sent me that clip love that yeah Yeah. Yeah, nudo's cool and keep in mind that was in like 91 or something not saying that whatever it's just he he seemed to be a little progressive at the time for 1991 or 92 or this song hit 92 right no 91 it was late 91. 91 though but you you also you sent me two video clips 
And this, and I tell, told you I had an issue with the one video clip because it was Nirvana talking <laughs> shit on Extreme. Yeah. And I said, I don't disagree with anything Nirvana has to say in this video, except that they used Extreme as their example. So what do they say? What do they say? Here's a band like Extreme, some total schlock rock band, right? And we played with them at some festival. I don't know why, but um, they are in an alternate reality than ours. They are in that rock and roll rock reality. They, and it's just, and it's a different want, reality. It's, they it's, surround themselves with these professional dickhead commercial rock and roll guys who like when they show up at an airport their their manager runs in ahead of them and, and tells the people who are greeting them no at video. their label no video no video we, like, we, we want to path straight to the to the van here's what we need we want to pass straight to the van we don't want any pictures taken you know it's like so what <laughs> and i'm not even really sure if they're aware of that things can actually operate on a different level you know? I don't think they're aware of how much they suck. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's true. I feel like that describes every other 80s metal band except for, like, Extreme and Winger. Like, those are the only two groups from that time period that I felt like didn't really give a shit about their image and just cared about, like, the music. And, and the sheer fact that you sent me that Nuno video, like, to me says, like, that he would have had a lot in common with the same stuff that Kurt was fighting for because... In 1991, to be like that strong about like you know racial and and sexual equality, like that was rare in rock and roll. And I'd be like, I feel like Kurt and him probably had more in common than anyone else because infamously, Guns and Roses before Nevermind came out, Guns and Roses wanted to take Nirvana on tour as their opening act, which would have been a very confusing bill. And Kurt Cobain straight up said, we will not tour with homophobes and, yeah, exactly. and, and racists. But I'm like, yeah, but extreme, I don't think was, <laughs> was that. <laughs> yeah, it's interesting, though, because like, I don't mean to discredit extreme <laughs> musically, because like, technically, uh, undeniably great. Musically, tonally, not for everybody, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, right. If a song isn't, and I'm just going to say this is boldly as and bluntly and rudely as possible if a song's not very good it doesn't care what it doesn't matter what the message is in fact yeah, sure. it will hurt your message if the music's not great and so mm-hmm. if you're saying any type of message at all that isn't just like let's have a fucking party it's going to be annoying to most people and it could seem kind of like disingenuous or just like preachy and it's such a thin line to walk like the simpsons like is is lauded because they're able to like make a point um without like taking too hard of a side but the only way that they even got away with it is because it's the funniest show ever like you have to be (laughs) so good at your craft to make a point otherwise people are just going to roll their eyes or they're going to miss it entirely um it's just hard like that's why most musicians and you know art does kind of shy away from politics because it's like it's one thing to find an audience in general that just likes what you're doing, especially mm-hmm. if it's kind of derivative or sounds like other stuff. And then you expect all these people that like the thing that kind of sounds like you to then get on board with your politics. That's so hard. Like, it doesn't yeah. surprise me at all that, like, Extreme wasn't able to find, like, the success that maybe they deserved. Yeah. Everything you just said reminded me of probably my favorite my favorite thing anyone has ever said on this podcast that I've repeat it and quoted a million times and it was one of our first episodes was Chris your your bandmate Steve when we did the Super Drag episode. Super Drag. He, oh, I love Super Drag. And he talked about how the lead singer of Super Drag is now like plays a lot of like Christian music festivals. What? 
what? And he was like, he was like, I don't care if you want to sing songs about religion. That's fine. He's like, but if my favorite band put out an album about trees, that'd be pretty cool. If they put out five albums about trees, I'd be like, you guys got to write about something that's not trees. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, That's very funny. Oh my God. I didn't know that about the super drag guy. I mean, I don't think he's like a religious douchebag about it, but he, he definitely like, he did like, I think he produced like a Reliant K record and a Switchfoot record or something. Huh. As far as extreme goes. Yeah. So they released that first album, which was kind of a flop. It still sold 300,000 albums, which is a lot of albums. But at the time, we're talking about when album sales were probably right about at their peak, maybe just before their very peak. So the first album, which it had a couple singles. One was called Kid Ego, which Gary Sharon now says when he looks back on it, he cringes <laughs> like this. And I, well, I understand why it's like, do you guys know what I'm going to talk about here? <laughs> there is a type of music which Ali I don't know if, if you've had an experience with this or you know to a certain extent I have where you try to submit your music for placements and ads and and television shows and stuff like that and they they describe the type of music they're looking for and they're always it's like 90% of the time they're looking for swagger music with <laughs> swagger and it's like it's like what you hear in every car commercial you right. know it's 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 whatever and when i heard this kid ego song i'm like oh it's one of those swagger songs <laughs> Love it. <laughs> not very good they also had a song called play with me which matt i was curious if you knew the song play yeah with of me. course it's in bill and ted's excellent yeah, adventure it's pretty popular <laughs> yeah okay uh, so you knew that I didn't know that song. I, I guess if I would have watched Bill and Ted in the past twenty years, I would have. You're more of a Wayne's World heard. fan. <laughs> I am more of a Me Wayne's too. World fan. Yeah, I'm also. I, I'm weirdly a Wayne's World fan and a Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey over Excellent Adventure type person. Well, then anyway, after that album, they were in the era where bands could develop on major labels. We are no longer in that era. Now it's if you if you're not a success, you are dropped. That is unfortunately the way of the world. And uh, but anyway, they put out this porno graffiti album, which uh, you know, first of all, it's called porno graffiti. So they were, <laughs> they, they were putting themselves back with like all of middle of middle America by you know being shocking with that record title, even though it's not like. I, I did this album even have a parental advisory sticker on it? No, I didn't know. Okay, but also it's extreme two porno graffiti. Which yeah, <laughs> and which the, I, think I is loved. <laughs> I love that it was like every one of their albums was. They they kind of did the Weezer thing where they just like kept naming their albums extreme. In my mind, they named all of their albums extreme, and then the rest was just like subtitles. <laughs> like, yeah, right. Um, but anyway, the first. The label did not want, did not think more than words was the single and did not want to release it as a single, which to me is insane. <laughs> what, <laughs> who are these people? Who are the A&R people that were making these decisions about that? How could you hear that song and not know it's a hit? Well, I mean, come on, though. Like, you have a metal band doing... It's insane what they did. Having a metal band do, like, a cutesy love song about, 
you know, you should fuck me so you don't have to say I love you. Like, I'm <laughs> not shocked that they thought, I don't know if this is going to reach your demo. Now, it, it's such a good song that it transcends. I mean, yeah. I assume we all agree that this song rules. I love this song. Like, yeah, I was sent I would the say list. this is the best ballad of any 80s rock group. Like, I, I would stack this against at a time where, like, every album had to have its ballad. I think this is the best. I don't think one of this from... is a ballad. Am I crazy? I, I mean, they would have. I think it would have been considered the ballad. It's not. Okay, it's not a it. power ballad. Maybe for that's sure. maybe it's not, that's my. Yeah. No. I mean, this isn't like home sweet home. I hear ballad and I think journey immediately and oh, like I don't. Yeah. I don't know if you. But it, it is. But it is up there. But when you sent me the list of um, songs to choose from, um, I think I responded within. One minute, <laughs> like, it was I it was in re- seconds in all <laughs> seconds. caps. Extreme more extreme than more than words. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I love this song. I I I won't interject, but I just wanted it to be clear to the listeners. Like I immediately responded the second I saw the email. <laughs> well, it's funny that the first two singles were Decadence Dance, which was the first song in the album. Then that Get the Funk Out song was, <laughs> was a funk rock song uh, were the first two singles, and neither of them got much airplay or MTV airplay. They made music videos for both of them. And uh, at this point, man, oh, man, they're lucky it was 1991 because <laughs> to get a shot then if your first two singles aren't successful, to then get a shot at a third single at that point – that probably wouldn't happen today, or at least not not the big shot. And there was one person, one person who, when they were recording, came into the studio. And Nuno, in the interview I watched with him, he even did an impression of him. A guy, he said, I'll give you a hint of who it was. He's six foot four, and he's crazy as hell, and he's a lead singer. And then the guy interviewed him was like, I don't know who, who it was. And then he did this impression. Dude! Can you guess who it would be? No, is is that so you should? Do you watch Gilmore Girls? Oh, I was gonna say it's. Oh Gil. my God, that's so <laughs> funny! Yes, Sebastian uh, Bach. Say Bach. <laughs> Sebastian yeah. Bach. That's so funny. Hey, I'm Gil. I'm just. Yes. I've been watching uh, Gilmore Girls, and so I just got around the time that he joins the show. How fun! I was gonna yeah. say also, Allie, uh, someone who. Who I was aware of Allie's music, but that I really learned to love because of her frequent appearances on the Gilmore Guys podcast. Oh, that's right. R.I.P. Oh, yeah. Um, so, yeah, uh, Sebastian Bach. He, so he came into the studio and was like, dude, that's a number one hit song. And they said he was the only one who told Aww. them it was a hit song. And he was right. And so, so wait, Allie, I want to back up for a second. Are you watching Gilmore Girls? For the first time? Not for the or first mean- time. This is a cozy okay. little rewatch. Um, gotcha. I watched the show for the first time because of the Gilmore Guys podcast back in the day. So I did not grow gotcha. up watching it. And actually, you know, my dad, um, he has great taste, but he's kind of a snob and an elitist. And so we missed out on some cool things, including Gilmore Girls. Typically, more male-dominated taste uh, was spoon-fed to me than uh, stuff that had girl in the title. Um, but the right. first episode starts with an XTC song. And I'm like, uh, hello, we would have loved this. Like, the music choices by the Paladinos are, like, through the roof. Like, they have so much good power pop and metal. Like, it's super eclectic. Like, the mm-hmm. the needle drops in that show are so good. And the characters bond over their taste in music. And, like, it's it's smart music. It's like Elvis Costello stuff. Like, it's great. Yeah. I love yeah. personally the episode where I think it's the last episode the Paladinos did until they the, come back for the final ne- season for the final the Netflix season. But the um, 
the episode where it's just all of the different troubadours showing yes. up and it's just like cameo city of some of your favorite musicians. Marilyn Rice Cub also. I um yeah, I was watching that episode just the other day and was thinking like, God, it sucks that I was too young to have been in that because I absolutely would have been a troubadour. 100%. If they ever do another <laughs> TV season, you should definitely uh, campaign hard oh, for I have to. to be the new troubadour of Stars <laughs> Hollow. I mean, I mean, Lane skanked to rancid in the first season. Right. <laughs> she really does. Pretty, it makes the opening credits. <laughs> yeah. It's a real shame that it took me. I mean, I was a full grown. I was probably in my 30s when I, I, when I watched Gilmore, Gilmore Girls for the first time. And I'm like, oh, I'm. I, it was like on. And I'm kind of like, what is this? Yeah, exactly. And then I'm like. Then I'm watching it and I'm like, oh, I actually it's like great. this. This is this is entertaining. And then watch I've watched the whole series. Yeah. Many times. Five it's times. so cozy. It, it, this time of yeah. year, at least in LA, it's been raining nonstop and it's just like the perfect little comfort show. And uh, it's just wonderful. It's my go to fall asleep show as well. Cause there's something about the constant conversation that creates like the perfect white noise hum. <laughs> That's so funny. That just makes me think that, like, anytime you're around chatty women, you start to doze <laughs> off. <laughs> no, I've never been around two women that talk quite at the speed of Rory and oh, Laura. That's funny. <laughs> I hope I could one day make a TV show that people are saying this about. Like, I just, yeah. I, it's hey, so good to fall asleep to. Don't love watching that, it. But they're getting that payout. I'm watching it. <laughs> that's For the great. last couple of months, I fall asleep to riff tracks. Oh, that's, it's a, it's that's different... great. <laughs> yeah, because they, they, I, I love it, but I kind of fall asleep to it anyway if I put it on. Just something about the the way the old movies look and stuff. But yeah, that's that's my go-to recently. At the end of the year when they do the Spotify like wrap-up where they are like, you've been listening to 6,700 hours of Nine Inch Nails and then nothing but Paul McCartney <laughs> and Wings. Um, the number one thing that I listen to is like Sleep Sounds podcast because <laughs> all yeah, oh, I do wow. every single night is listen to like <laughs> rain <laughs> or like birds wow. <laughs> i'm a big asmr guy <laughs> so chris you were talking about how this song they were lucky it was it was 1991 record labels were giving them another shot well, it was 1990 mm -hmm. that the album was released it was yes. 1991 that the video came out and it was yes, actually yeah. so i also came out in march of 1991 as, a, <laughs> oh, as a, wow. that's when i came out into the world <laughs> did you debut at number one <laughs> i debuted at well i was number three in the line of oh. children <laughs> but my okay, mom and dad's gotcha. first so yes i was a hit i'm a so yes i'm a one-hit wonder between my parents um <laughs> yeah. but we're both pisces more than words and i are both pisces nice. <laughs> that were born in 1991 yeah we have a lot in common <laughs> well I, I think that they're lucky that this song came out in 1991 because by 1992 Grunge yep. had dominated the radio, and it was kind of it was a, kind of a tough time for extreme. But I do want to do my favorite segment that we do every week on this show, which is this song was number one for one week only, and that week wow. was June eighth of nineteen ninety one. Do y'all want to hear what made up the top ten that day? Yes. <laughs> All right, at number two, "Color Me Bad." I want to sex you up. Oh yeah, TikTok, you don't stop. Number three, Paula Abdul's Rush Rush, which then took the number one spot from Extreme. Keanu Reeves was in the music video for that one. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Number four was Mariah Carey's I Don't Want to Cry. Okay. Number five was Michael Bolton's Love is a Wonderful Thing. Oh, yeah. <laughs> number six was R.E.M.'s Losing My Religion. Okay. Number seven was someone called The High Fives with I Like the Way, The Kissing Game. That sounds familiar, actually. I'll look oh. that up. Yeah, I'm not is familiar with that one. Is high five spelled like H I 
F I. Yeah, H I dash F I V E. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You you said the high fives, and I was like, no, high five, <laughs> oh. high five, right? Yeah. Oh, high five, yes. High the high five. fives. It's funny because the high fives were a like shitty garage punk band that were on Lookout Records. I was like, the high fives <laughs> yes. are definitely not in the top ten. <laughs> Number eight, we've covered them in the past. One of my favorite episodes. Go check it out if you haven't already. EMFs, unbelievable. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Number nine, Whitney Houston's Miracle. And at number okay. 10, Luther Vandross's Power of Love slash Love Power. So the setting was perfect for a band named Nirvana to show up a few months later and completely yeah. wipe the uh, billboard charts clean. Right. Uh, it's funny, too. I saw this quote from Nuno. Nuno has all the best quotes. If you if you want to learn about Extreme, go watch Nuno stuff. I think he's really cool. <laughs> but he told he said, if I had a dollar for everyone who told me they got married or conceived a baby, to more than words, I'd be richer than Bill Gates. I don't know that I want to conceive a baby to it, but, but uh, I guess it's it's a it's a sweet song, I guess. But it yeah, it got wiped out for sure. Like Mr. Big and everybody else that sounded like that at the time. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. I'm not going to lie here. I've become a factor fanatic lately. I'm a busy guy and getting to eat restaurant quality meals that are ready to heat and eat in two minutes has been amazing. Eating better is easy with Factors' delicious, ready-to-eat meals. Every fresh, never-frozen meal is chef-crafted, dietitian-approved, and ready to go in just two minutes. You have 35 different options to choose from every week, including Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. And also, there are more than 60 add-ons to help you stay fueled up and feeling good all day long. I've been spreading the word to everyone I know, not just here on the podcast, but in person as well. Factor is the perfect solution if you're looking for fast, premium options with no cooking required. You get as much or as little as you need by choosing your meals every week. Plus, you can pause or reschedule your deliveries anytime. And the math doesn't lie. Factor is less expensive than takeout. Plus, considering every meal is dietitian approved, it's also nutritious and delicious. So what are you waiting for? Get started today by heading to factormeals.com slash one hit 50 and use the code one hit 50 to get 50% off. That's code one hit 50. The words one hit and the number 50 that is at factormeals.com slash one hit 50 to get 50% off. We're here to entertain you. We'll sing your songs. Hey there. Are you obsessed with things that happened before your time? Well, if you are, join me, the host of Before My Time, Gelsey Laurie, to discuss the wonders of the yesteryears that we weren't around to enjoy ourselves. You can find us on all podcast platforms. Soon you'll be swaying, so come on, sing along. Nuno also uh, was kind of the reason why the first attempt at bringing Extreme back in the 2000s was very short-lived because 
Homeboy's also the guitarist for Rihanna. Oh. Yeah. I did hear that. Wow. <laughs> he was at the Super Bowl this year. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah, I remember people talking about that the next day. That is crazy. Yeah, he's been her guitarist since 2006. So Extreme had planned to record a new album and go on a bunch of tours. And uh, to his credit, I think when Rihanna comes knocking and says, I want you to be my full-time guitarist, uh, it's time to say goodbye to the band Extreme. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's a good move. Seriously. <laughs> <Damn>. Wow. <laughs> and they also, 20 days ago from us recording this album, announced that their sixth album, Six, is coming out in June. I heard the song <laughs> from it. I heard the the new single from it, which, uh, it was okay. I watched a guy <laughs> on YouTube, The Art of Guitar, this guy who really is like a great guitarist and he really breaks down a song as he hears it. He did what he called a brutally honest review. But what's crazy about it is he, he pointed two things out about it. One, that it kind of sounds like a song from Stone Temple Pilots' Purple album and he plays them back to back and I'm like, oh, wow. And two, that they do a melody in it that sounds like a Kesha song. Hmm. <laughs> so, Interesting. So that's... If you like Stone Temple Pilots or Kesha, you might like the new song. But I wanted to talk about, before we skip all the way ahead to that, Matt, I want to talk about the last kind of cool thing Extreme did in the 90s. We're going to bring it back to Queen. Yes. Because Extreme played at the Freddie Mercury Tribute Concert in April of 1992, where they performed a little medley where they did Love of My Life acoustic in front of the biggest crowd of people you've ever seen singing every word, oh obviously. God. And then they spliced it right together with more than words. But look, I don't mean to be overly critical here, but once again, I'm a Nuno guy in this in this whole <laughs> thing. When you watch it, it's on YouTube. Gary Sharon is really flat oh, when no. they start the, the love of my life, which, okay, I don't know what his in-ear system was like. He's playing in front of freaking a million yeah, so people. Hard. like. It had to be hard. Maybe the roar of the crowd. But watch the video. He is not hitting the notes. It is, it's a little painful at the beginning. I think he, he kind of, by midway through, he starts getting it. But I don't know. Not to hold him accountable, but I am doing that right, right now. Go watch <laughs> but the you're going to hold him accountable for a little bit. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I am going to hold him accountable for a little bit. Uh, but I thought that was kind of cool that they played that. Yeah. All right. I have to watch that. It's good. And for for the most part, I think that Extreme is pretty cool. They're funk rock. I don't really consider them hair metal. Uh, more than words. Also, have you guys seen the like Jimmy Fallon? I think it's Jimmy Fallon and Jack Black thing that they did. Mm-mm. No. So just as Jimmy Fallon and Paul Rudd did a shot for shot remake of the uh, King of Wishful Thinking, I believe it's Jimmy Fallon and Jack Black did a shot for shot remake. Oh, that's of- great. <laughs> More than words. I think it's their third album, maybe their fourth album in 1995, has been one of those banes of my existence because it's called Waiting for the Punchline. So anytime that I search for my band Punchline for one thing or another, <laughs> Spotify, uh, you know, on YouTube or whatever, this Waiting for the Punchline thing always comes up and I'm always like, ah, fuck. That, that's their again. fourth album because their third album is in fact called Three. So, so Thunder or Blunder Time, do we have to decide on Extreme? Well, I want to bring up one last thing uh, because Allie mentioned this in an email, but we haven't brought it up yet. 
Allie, you've covered this song a couple times, haven't you? Yeah, so this song is really, <laughs> really special to me. And um, it was just a song that my dad always would play. And uh, I just think that the guitar is so pretty. And I, one of my favorite things growing up was my dad playing guitar and me singing along. And usually it was like Joni Mitchell or, you know, um, Simon and Garfunkel. Um, but then this song would kind of make the mix. And so for choir um, in in high school, we would have these um, performances where we get to choose a song, like the top singers would like get to perform for the school um, and do whatever song they wanted. And for example, I played drums to my friends um, singing like Riding on the Metro, <laughs> which was fun. And then I sang More Than Words uh, with my best friend Noelle, who I'm still friends with, um, and my dad played guitar. And it was one of those things where it was kind of like Arrested Development, the show, where oh, the like, they don't delight. realize that Afternoon Delight <laughs> is like a weird choice for like a, a what are they, what's their relationship, uncle and niece. Like yeah. I never <laughs> thought about what the words meant really to more than words. And I've been singing it with my dad, with my dad harmonizing with me since I was like a child. <laughs> it doesn't, it just sounds so romantic and, and sweet and nice. And you don't realize like, this is a song about fucking. This is a song that people are conceiving <laughs> their kids, conceiving babies do. But I love this song and... um I think that there are videos probably somewhere of me singing it on stage in front of uh, the whole high school class. Um, but I recently have um, been looking for my old cover of it. And if I don't, if I'm not able to find it, I'll uh, do a new one because the harmonies in this song are so informative to my own songwriting, to be honest, because one the of harmonies the harmonies in are this very, chorus very tight. are gorgeous. Yes. Oh, my God. Very... I was going to say that's when they were talking about people not hearing a hit single in this. And it's like. Just the way the harmonies kick on, on in on the show me how you feel and the because I already know like that alone just screams like this song's going to number one. Yeah. But to the, my ears. Yeah, totally. Like, and um, there are a couple times where the the harmony act, it's actually kind of a difficult song to, to sing because the harmonies are so tight. And I don't mean that mm -hmm. in the slang way. I mean it like the notes are very close together for people that are not music musicians themselves. Um and it's always so satisfying to sing. It's like one of those songs that just feels good singing it with the person harmonizing with you. I'm I'm sure you've had that experience uh, if you've sung it before. It's just like, oh man, it's right in the pocket. And yeah. it's so amazing. And it's like, you don't always know that um, bands that are kind of heavier are technically good at singing sometimes because it's like a different a different skill set. And the fact that they were able to do both is pretty amazing. Yeah, locking in. On a harmony with somebody, especially so on a song, good. like you said, where it's like, <laughs> yeah, it feels so good, especially on a song where there's, I don't know, a little bit of vocal acrobatics or yes. you have to not do, not do the common normal harmonies. You gotta, you gotta, it's not just a third a the whole bit. time. Like they're doing right. some interesting stuff. Yeah. It's really cool. But I, I look, I pulled the lyrics up in front of me cause you guys are saying this and I'm like, I don't think that maybe it is maybe it is a sex song, but I don't think it's overtly. When it's I not read overtly, these. so it's not. But it's not as bad as Afternoons of Light. But it is right. the whole point of this song is saying like, put basically put your body where your mouth is, put your money where your mouth is. Like we don't need to, <laughs> we don't need to say I love you. I could show you. <laughs> wow. Okay. I yeah. mean, just the opening line saying <laughs> I love you is not the words is. I want to hear from you is, is not exactly the sexiest sentence that anyone's ever It's also said. just not well written. Like the lyrics aren't no. great. <laughs> saying no. I love Which... you is not the words I want. What? <laughs> like I'm already lost. Can we do a revision? <laughs> like you, if you have to have quotes around the lyrics, 
lyrics to make the lyrics make sense. Saying, quote, I love you, unquote, is not the words I want to hear you say. What? Yeah. Uh, well, one last thing, obviously, before we jump into Thunder or Blunder, we're talking about cover songs. Uh, you've got a couple cover songs that are, at this point, already financed on Kickstarter, but that doesn't mean we can't unlock even more financing on Kickstarter for some stretch goals. What's going on over there? Yeah, so I am making a Nine Inch Nails cover album. Uh, It is uh, my pride and joy. I've been working on it for about a year almost. Um, It's called Nine Inch Nails Peeled Back, or just Peeled Back, depending on legally what I'm allowed to get away with. Um, (laughs) (laughs) But basically, I chose um, the Nine Inch Nails songs that just mean the most to me and kind of help tell a story of my own um, in terms of the order in which I'm presenting them kind of about like the last year I've been going through, year and a half or so I've been going through. And I'm just really, really excited about it. Uh, If you like Nine Inch Nails um, or if you hate Nine Inch Nails, you might find it still enjoyable because I'm I'm pretty much reinventing the sound and the tone of them, but really honoring what the original songs have in terms of like Trent Reznor is just such a good lyricist and an incredible arranger and composer, obviously. And I just kind of wanted to... um, peel back some of the industrial layers and make it a little bit more focused on the melodies and just some of the like I don't know just the fundamentals of the song and they're they're really beautiful songs if they're arranged slightly differently um they always were awesome and amazing um but it's kind of cool to hear them in like a new voice and so um I have a kickstarter going um it's going to be up until uh mid-April and even after if you are listening to this after the fact uh you should still be able to order the vinyl which is this is my first time having anything on vinyl I'm thrilled cd digital downloads and um lots of rewards up there so because the kickstarter has done so well um it funded in like six hours which made me cry i was nice. so excited i i'll be able to uh add more violins i'm gonna have like some live instruments on the track previously it was just me um and then i'm also going to be out able to add more tracks and also have my b-sides maybe if we reach a certain amount um we'll be able to have the b-sides on a seven inch as well which is a huge goal Nice. Yeah. Yo, that is so cool. I look, I didn't know that. Oh my god, uh, yay. I'm sorry I didn't know that beforehand, but That's my fault. But I wanted I, to surprise you because I know how much you love nine inch nails. Uh, so I yeah. thought this oh, gosh. Was <laughs> hey, I growing up, like I'm talking seventh, eighth, ninth grade, I probably had thirty nine inch nails t shirts. I had Oh my every, god. Every import CD, every like, I fell off probably after the downward spiral, but but Pretty Hate Machine and Broken and Downward Spiral, they were my favorite band on earth. Oh my God, uh, I love it. Like, literally my favorite band on earth. So that is so cool. What songs did you already do? Uh, so or- let me pull up the track list. So some of these songs um, might end up being moved to B-sides. It depends. I'm putting it together. But the track list as it currently stands, Wish... Uh, Ruiner. Okay. Uh, it's very downward wow. spiral heavy. So Ruiner, yeah. March of the Pigs. Yes. <laughs> Closer, The Becoming. Oh, yeah. You might not know Great Destroyer, um, but Great Destroyer. Mm, it's a um, later one. Wearing This Together, which is off the Fragile. Uh, okay. Big Man with a Gun. Nice. Uh, oh, wow. Uh, Reptile. Every Day is Exactly the Same. 
and okay. uh, right where it belongs. But I'm also currently exploring a couple. Of th- those are the ones that are finished um, or just about finished. But I'm also um, f- either consideration for the album or B-sides. I'm looking at had like a whole um, yep. somewhat yeah. damaged and piggy. Hey, would you consider heresy? I would consider it for the right amount of money. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Heresy's like the most badass song. It's incredible. <laughs> uh, which of which of which of those tracks would you most want to hear? Do you think, as a Nine Inch Nails fan? Um, okay, all those are already recorded. Yeah. So any of those, I think. Look, I think that the fans, the listeners, are going to want to hear closer. You yeah. got it. I'll, I was going to say we'll we'll put closer for the fans, but if. Uh, if just personally, you can send big man with a gun. I also. think that's I think that's the coolest <laughs> shit I've ever done. I'm not gonna lie. Like, I love I kinda, that fucking I kinda song. I kind of want to watch you guys listen to it. Is that weird? <laughs> that's no. <laughs> it's just really, really fun. <laughs> Look, if people don't know that song, and you really like think about it, most people don't go that deep in oh, the yeah. Tiny Kills album. <laughs> yes. If people just hear that and yep. think you, that's yep. like one of your songs. That's I can't most, wait. If I didn't know that song and I heard, I'm like, this, this is the fucking craziest thing I've ever heard in my life. Yes. It's awesome, Allie. Thank Great you. job. I can't wait to hear the rest. Oh, of Oh, thank you. Yes, I um, I had a lot of fun working on it. That one, speaking of funk, is like definitely the one that has the most groove or like I don't know, like a backbeat. The other songs range from like my version of Reptile is completely stripped down. It's very beautiful and acoustic and soft. Um. Closer has a little bit more of the original feel to it um, while still being, you know, peeled back. But some of the songs are like pretty Nine Inch Nailsy, you know, obviously nice. with, you know, it's like lowercase, um, it's softer. But I really do try to to honor what makes the original song so great. And, and Big Man with a Gun is a big departure from the original, which is part of the fun. But that one, this is this is yeah. my more than words, where it's like if you're going to try and have the whole album sound like Big Man with a Gun, no, not so much. Um, but I would love right. I would love for people to check it out. I have a couple of samples on the Kickstarter. I give a preview of Reptile, Closer, and Ruiner. Um, so check that out there. I think we can officially do Thunder Blunder, right? Yeah. So I kind of assume that Ali is going to put Thunder on Extreme's name, unless I'm wrong. You'd be dead wrong to think I would not put Thunder on okay. this. I'm so I'm such a big fan of this song. One of the all time greats. Gotcha. How do you feel about the rest of their catalog, though? Not a big fan. <laughs> oh, so that's where that's. But this song is so good that you're still going to put Thunder on there. Yes. Name. Well, like, for example, okay. like I'm a, I could not be a bigger. Well, I guess I could be a bigger Van Halen fan, but I love Van Halen so much. And but like when I was like 14, I used to walk around saying like David Lee rocks like I, I and like, you know, I like hated Sammy Hagar. I was like a huge asshole. Like I just like was super <laughs> pretentious and annoying about stuff. And, you know, with ACDC I even would like be kind of pretentious and annoying about it like I just have always been raised to be super snobby I listened to some extreme in preparation for this and you know I I don't think they got a fair shake I don't think they got a fair shake I think that I think that there's some really good tunes it was just bad timing 
Yeah. Yeah. I I have to ask because I didn't even piece this together in my brain, but you're a big you're a big Van Halen fan. Yes. You were snobbishly anti Sammy Hagar for a little bit. <laughs> is that what led you to nerf Herder with their song Van Halen yes. that then later turned into them writing a song about you, which yes. is like the craziest yeah, full circle I, thing in the world? Yeah. Van Halen was my, the, the song Van Halen was an introduction, was my introduction to nerf Herder aside from the Buffy theme song. And I love that song. And then when... I heard that Nerf Herder was making a new album. Um, their, you know, their album Rockingham. Like they had a song called "The Girl Who Listened to Rush," and I was like, "That's about me, right?" And I was like, "I didn't know that they had a song called Allie Gertz on it yet." <laughs> <laughs> and so they told me, "Just wait." <laughs> and wow. I, I couldn't believe it. I thought it was like I genuinely was like, "Oh, that's cute." They're doing a little nod to me because I post about Rush all the time, and I do a cover of Limelight. Um, and so when I wrote my response song to Nerf Herder, which really has only ever existed on YouTube, which I, it, it's dormant, like it kind of is like a barren wasteland at this point of the past, but um, I performed it live, this song that I wrote called Nerf Herder Girl. I performed it at the Troubadour when I opened for them. It was the best night of my life. Um, and I mentioned Van Halen in it too. I just say like, and I like Van Halen too, too. Um, <laughs> cute little. <laughs> but what's funny is that my song is very contingent upon the fact that they love girls with nose rings and at the until until about a month ago i did not have a nose ring um and i now have one you're the nose ring uh, and girl i'm now, now the nice. nose ring girl <laughs> so my whole nice. life is just dedicated to nerf herder now <laughs> love that yeah. did you guys already say whether or not you guys uh make this thunder or blunder uh, uh, i mean uh, i'm going to i'm going to give them thunder i actually really do like the porno graffiti album i think it's a pretty solid record and nuno like just got to respect that guitar player too. Iconic. So I'm I'm putting thunder on that. I'll say thunder too. I will give it a triple thunder because I like wholehearted. Their other hit. Their, <laughs> yeah. I don't, I don't know why we can't do the spin doctors on here, but we can do extreme. It doesn't make sense to me. But <laughs> but uh, I think wholehearted. I actually think I like that more than more than words. More than more than words. Hey, there's a there's a song idea. More than more than words. Yeah, I'll give them a thunder too. They are very musically proficient. I don't know so much about the rest of their catalog, but they're definitely rippers. I respect people that go out there and just <laughs> play the most technically difficult things you can play. And then also there's great melodies and, uh, you know, musicality behind it. So I give them a thunder too. It's a triple thunder. Totally. Right. Thanks, Allie. Thanks for coming on. So much fun. This has been One Hit Thunder. One Hit Thunder is hosted by Chris Fafalios of the bands Punchline, Pack, and Another Cheetah and produced by Matt Kelly of Geekscape.net. Underneath me, you're hearing this week's guest, Allie Gertz, and her cover of the Nine Inch Nails classic, Closer. Be sure to donate to our Kickstarter linked in our comments. We're on Patreon now. Become a patron and get bonus content, early episodes, and a chance to vote on future songs at patreon.com backslash OHT podcast. Do you want to start a podcast? Contact Chris or myself at weknowpodcasting.com for how we can make your show sound as professional as possible. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to us on your favorite podcasting app. And tune in next week for more One Hit Thunder.
listening to the Geekscape Network. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hey, you. Do you have any plans this year? <laughs> How's that going? Do you get 2020? Well, welcome to a brand new podcast called 2020, where myself, Benny Goodman, and my good friends, Corey Pazin and Siobhan Cronin from the band Lost Symphony, also got 2020. And since the world ended this year, we decided why not just check in with some of our friends in the music industry and see how everyone's doing. We're going to get a candid look at life on and off the stage, as well as the mindset of some of the most successful people in the entertainment industry. New episodes drop every Sunday and Wednesday at 9 p.m. Eastern. And you can listen at 2020-D.com, soundtalentmedia.com, or on your favorite podcast app.